countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Earth 1 and Earth 2 are set to perish next, their fates inextricably linked together. The fury is worse now. First it was the skies glowing red, then the storms and weather, now the cosmic disturbances which rage across both universes. The universe was split apart at the dawn of time, each world weaker than the whole it was meant to be. But these worlds will die, Monitor! Like all those I've been forced to watch die! Why did you do that to me? What purpose did you make me suffer like that for? You aren't changing the future! You can't alter the past! But I was gonna go to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters! You can waste time with your friends when I'm done destroying the multiverse. Now come on, get to it! <laughs> And welcome back to another week of The Last Comic Shop! Where we dust off the long bins and look at some seriously good crossover events. For newbies. <laughs> <laughs> and for the oldies, we talk about very old crossover events. It's very exciting. Well, there you go. And I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I'm joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith, as always, as well as the wonderful Mikey Wood, who uh, basically chainering his inner monitor uh, on today's program, because again, we're going to be reviewing one of the seminal events in all of DC history. Over the last couple of weeks, we have decided to do DC books, so why not talk about one of the most important events in all of DC, Crisis of on crisis adjacent to <laughs> infinite earths <laughs> by marv wolfman and george perez and one of the major reasons why we're doing this uh, 12 issue crossover on today's program is because my co-host jay scott has never read it i mean not to call him out i mean I had not read this event until about three or four years ago because I wasn't a DC guy growing up. So why the hell would I care? Well, I was also not a DC guy when I was growing up, so just never got to it. And uh, as you said, it is a very important event in the DC continuity. So, you know, I figured if we're going to be doing a DC month, I'm going to take advantage of that. And we will get to the review and whether that was a good idea or not later in the show. But it does bring up the question, is there a big crossover event that you guys haven't read? Yeah, I mean, the first one that pops into mind is a Secret Invasion. And, and I don't know why. I, like, it was weird because I followed Bendis' writing when he was with Image and when he was doing Powers when, and, and all that. But once he bounced over to Marvel, I just didn't follow it. I don't, I don't know why. I just, and I, I, I always liked Lionel Francis Yu's artwork. I know what the invasion was. Well, if you know what the invasion is, how is it secret? absolutely you're missing something and that is because i was reading at the time the build-up to secret invasion was awesome because you didn't know who was a scroll and bendis was all about oh these characters you've been reading for years some of them secretly scrolls and then they would release the covers to the tie-in issues and it would be your favorite classic covers but with scrolls oh it was great and the build-up was so awesome and then the event happened. But the build-up was awesome! <laughs> so you didn't like the event, Chad? Unfortunately for me, and I, I love uh, Bendis' stuff, but I do think he's much better at setting the table than he is. Uh, yeah, and so I think it, it suffered a little bit. 
He likes to set the table, but he's not cleaning up the dishes. Like, yeah, exactly. So, of all those covers, which one would you say was your favorite? Uh, you know, the Behold the Vision. The Vision's a scroll. When Captain America comes out in Avengers Four, the Cap's a scroll. It was the fun twist. But they're yeah. all good. Thanos a scroll because he's got the same scrotum chin that the scroll. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's there, but he's something different. Not a scroll. Oh, girl. Well, I mean, but that's 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 timely, too, because, again, they're going to be putting out this Secret Invasion show on Disney+. Plus. You know, maybe you'll go back and check it out now that they'll come up with this TV show, Mikey. Yeah. In any case, Chad, which comic crossover did you not read? Everybody knows the Marvel classic Secret Wars, which was lots of fun, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in relation to Crisis. But one I've never actually read was... Secret Wars 2, Yonder Boogaloo. Yeah, that weird leather jacket. I don't know. And, and, was it a white leather? Was he Eddie Murphy? It, it was like rolled up at the sleeves, bare forearms. I'm pretty. It, it didn't make a heck of a lot of sense at all. No, but, it, but I, I feel like that's kind of cheating because I don't think a lot of people wrote Secret Wars 2. He's indelibly edged in my mind as like a crossover I wished I hadn't read. <laughs> Yeah. All I know is it had a bajillion crossovers. Like every yeah. every book got that little triangle on the cover. Yeah. Secret Wars two tie in. There's a crossover from a crossover. Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'll I'll, I'll go next because I, I think going along with the cosmic kick, uh, one uh, crossover that actually a lot of comic book fans kind of look at me cross-eyed a little bit. They're like, "Huh, really?" They give me the stink eye because I never read it. I never read Annihilation. Uh, what? what, what? And- that's what I'm saying. Everybody gives me the stink eye for that. I think it's because I, I came in a little bit late and everyone was talking about it and I was already so far behind that I was like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll read it eventually. And by the time it came out, then they started off with like, what, War of Kings? Did that come out next? Or Realm of Kings? And then there was a, a Conquest or something. And I was just like, where am I jumping on at? Right? Yeah. The unfortunate part about that series, and I feel super guilty because that was happening around the same time as the Marvel Civil War stuff and DC's 52 stuff. And so I was already buying all these other books and my comic budget was stretched thin. So I read pretty much all of Annihilation at Barnes and Noble (laughs) uh, in their cafe. I'd pay for coffee and like, oh, okay, I'll read a Drax miniseries here. But yeah, it was split up over so many different parts. But if you read it, like... There wasn't a part that wasn't worthwhile and fun and put a fresh spin on characters. And, like, if you had questions, they were good questions and made you want to come back for more. And plus, it brought the Guardians of the Galaxy and all that fun stuff. It made Nova cool for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, I guess, J.A., is there another crossover that you might want to bring up that you uh, haven't read in addition to Crisis of Infinite Earths? Well, I make fun of it all the time. But outside of the Silver Surfer annual, I don't think I ever actually read any of the Atlantis attacks. Uh, See, if you're going to cut on a book, you have to have at least read it. Come on. I actually have it in Omnibus. I I don't know if that's a Mm. uh, something I should be proud of or something I should be, you know, hiding my head in shame. But I do have it. I got it real cheap. Did you get that in the dollar bin? You see, you see, there's Atlantis. And they attack. <laughs> but no, it, it, it ties in a lot of aspects of like the Serpent's Crown, which I was a huge fan of from certain runs in the 
late uh, 70s and early 80s on the Avengers. It also ties in some stuff with the Eternals because basically they're all deviants that live in Atlantis anyways. And so like, I, I do that. miss the days when Marvel would do their crossovers in the annuals in the summer. You get like Spider-Man and new warriors crossing over or like new mutants or X-Force crossing over. And like, there's a lot of crossover stuff that I missed out on just because I couldn't, I couldn't afford to buy like 60 books. Mm. You know, they were annuals. They were expensive. They were like $5. Mm. Do you remember like Inferno tie in or like, like, you know, secret wars two tie in. And so you're like, oh, I got to get that. You read it and you're like, how the hell did that tie into Secret Wars? Like, they don't necessarily tie in. Yeah. They're not really necessarily part of the big story. Right. They have reading order websites. But right. I wish the reading order websites were honest and they were like, you know what? You know, this power pack issue. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the tie in is like the sky was red in the last panel. Yeah. 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 Some crossovers are super good and some crossovers are just not super good. Like we're going to decide whether or not crisis of infinite earths is in that one camp or in that other camp. So stay tuned right after these commercial breaks for more last comic shop. We'll actually be talking about crisis of infinite earths and whether it's good or not. Stay tuned. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for a read pile review. Yes, even in 2022, we have not forgotten that we review comic books on this program. Mm. And, uh, of course, on today's program, we're going to be doing another DC comic, given it's our semi-DC month, even though we started one in one month. And whatever. Long story short, we're doing Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's been written by Marv Wolfman with pencils by George Perez. You had Dick Giordano, Mike DiCarlo, and Jerry Ordway doing the inks. And on the original series, you had Anthony Tolan, Tom Zuho, and Carl Gafford on colors. And then for the version that I think most of us read in the modern recolored trade paperback forms, you had Tom McGraw, color reconstruction and enhancement with John Costanza on letters. Uh, I think it's only fair that given this was J.A.'s pick for our DC month, that he do the 10 cent synopsis as best he can. Uh Zizi, what are you talking about? At this time in DC, there was a massive sprawling multiverse with Earth-1 and Earth-2 and Earth-X and Earth-S and all this other crap going on and all these different characters from all different time zones and time periods existing outside of each other. So this book brought them all together. Basically, there's Monitor who sees that all all the realities are dying because... His evil counterpart, Anti-Monitor, is using the giant MacGuffin that is antimatter to destroy all of reality, all the different 
infinite Earths, infinite realities within DC are being erased away, turned into white noise. So this guy brings all the heroes together from all the Earths that haven't been destroyed to try to fight back and not have all of reality destroyed. Yeah, that's a good 10 cent synopsis. Yes. Oh, and, and as it turns out, there was a literal crap load of tie-in issues that I was unaware of, and I actually own like 30 of them. And I had like Blue Devil, Firestorm, Infinity Incorporated, New Teen Titans, Omega Man. Blue Beetle? Because he was a, he was in this book a lot. There was a lot more Blue Beetle than I well, was, that was ready when- for. Well, that's because that they, they had just purchased Charlton at the time, and they wanted a way to put them into the universe. Ah, yeah. so they just okay. bought like Captain Adam and Blue Beetle, and, okay. and so they that. so they use all those characters, but then they kill off like two of their main <laughs> characters. Yeah, because yeah. that's another thing yeah. uh, that we'll get into. This crossover is infamous, I guess you could say, for the amount of superheroes that DC pretty much just axed off the table. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually one of my points eventually that I'm going to get to. But real quickly, that's why uh, Alan Moore uh, couldn't use the Charlton comic books in Watchmen, because that was his original plan. Dr. Manhattan was supposed to be Captain Adam, and Rorschach was supposed to be The Question, and Night Owl was supposed to be Blue Beetle, and Silk Spectre was supposed to be Nightshade, and Peacemaker was supposed to be the comedian, and all this stuff. And then they were like, no, we're going to buy them, and we're going to do something with them. You know, they read his script, and they were probably like, that may not be the way we want to introduce these characters. And it's really (laughs) good you know maybe maybe blue beetle doesn't want to be impotent unless he's fighting crime you know maybe (laughs) you know maybe we ought to go a different angle with this alan but but back to my original point that i have some strong feelings about this this is now the third or fourth time that i've read crisis of infinite earths and i have three huge (laughs) huge beefs (laughs) with this series all right it's a venting session trigger warning this is from the 80s buddy so we're gonna go vintage 80s commercial and I'll be that lady from Wendy's and just ask Andrew, where's the beef? <laughs> All right. Number one beef of Crisis of Infinite Earths. It is way too long. That is my major issue with this book. Uh, one of the things that jumped out at me at reading Crisis was the fact that they really had to stretch this narrative to fill up 12 issues. And that padding and unnecessary filler is quite painfully obvious sometimes. I mean, there are some times in this book where they have like six pages of people just looking at white void and being like, what are we going to do with this? Should we punch it? That'll waste two more pages. Why don't we walk up to it and talk to it? Maybe we should do something. Well, I don't know. I haven't figured out what that white void is. And it happens in every single universe. They just switch characters. Here's somebody else from Earth 3. How are they reacting from it? Why? Defend this. Well, well, from my experience as a young 12-year-old boy, um, I picked it up for the same reason you guys probably picked up Secret Wars, you know, it's like all these heroes on the cover at the same time. You're like, yes, you know, this is what I want. It it was released monthly. So on a monthly basis, it doesn't feel as padded. It didn't feel as verbose as it didn't feel as heavy because it it is, man. Like Marv Wolfman, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met, Marv Wolfman. First of all, he's not a wolfman as far as I know because I saw him at night during a full moon and we made a joke about it. His writing is, is very like old Stan Lee stuff. It's just very verbose, but it was epic. It was this epic thing that was unlike anything that had ever really come out prior to that. My defense of this book is that I do believe that Crisis on Infinite Earths was a labor of love. I think Marv Wolfman and George Perez 
worked very hard on this. They very intricately plotted this. They went to great pains to make sure they had all these different characters represented. And basically, in wrestling parlance, think of the Royal Rumble. You have all these wrestlers that show up at the same time. Everybody has to get their moment. And if your guy doesn't get his moment and he gets short shrift, you are going to be so upset and so angry against the whole thing. You're going to you know, blow off the rest of the Royal Rumble. And so what Marvel from tries to do is give everybody an appearance, give all the, the main players at least something, the Justice Society and Infinity Incorporated and those guys. And you have the people that care so much about the Legion of Superheroes and then the people reading Firestorm on a monthly basis. Well, all these fans are coming to the show and they want to see their guys and gals represented. And so is it padded? For sure. But so much of that is just the celebration of bringing all these things together and, and killing them. Look, I, I understand your, your point about everybody wanting their guys, Chad. But I, I, look, didn't you think that some of these cameos were like completely like unnecessary? Did you really need Adam Strange or Shining Knight or Commandy? And like some of the subplots don't even make any sense. Like the origin of the new Wildcat or Psycho Pirates attempts to take over the Shazam and Charlton Comics universes. That was just a patty for an issue. I'd, uh, I'd never heard of the character before, but what a great name, Psycho Pirates. Just, just awesome. I actually like that storyline. That was one of the more amusing bits. Cool right? things about this is this is your sampler platter of the DC Universe. I never read the Atom when he had a tunic and carried around a sword. Why the hell does the Atom have a tunic and a sword? That was right. a great I kind of want to know. My major problem with why it's so long and all these unnecessary cut it is because DC was trying to do something with this particular series. They were trying to reset 50 years of continuity. That is an extremely important job. So you have to be laser focused in your narrative in order to do this. All these unnecessary cameos takes away from the main plot of the monitor and the anti-monitor and the survival of the multiverse. Like, let's just say that. This was coming on the tail end of Secret Wars, where they just wanted to have people fight. That's why they have the issue where, like, all the supervillains just try to take over the Earth. Like, why does that have to happen? That has nothing to do with the survival of the multiverse. It's just a bunch of superhero villains that are teaming up, and you're like, but oh, there's Lex Luthor. do. You're reading it sort of now. Think about if you're the 50-year-old guy who's actually been reading comics since Shining Knight was a thing. Uh, a guy who read Fawcett comics when he was a kid, and he's like, wait a minute, DC owns Fawcett comics now? Because you had to introduce those guys in there because they had just got the Fawcett universe. They had just got the Charlton universe. They had just So Secret Wars was done for the people who were reading comics at that very moment at that time. This was meant for people who had read DC comics from the beginning all the way until now. And the people who are just starting to and they're like, well, wait a minute, Superman's married to Lois Lane in this issue that I read. How come they're not married now? Wait a minute. Huntress is Batman's daughter since when, you know, and all this other stuff. So so this was an attempt to mash. What was it? 50 years of continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Into one cohesive thing. I totally agree with everything Mikey has said. Mm. And remember, Secret Wars, which has come up again and again. We've talked about this. What was the purpose of Secret Wars, Andy? To sell toys. Right. Was there a toy line for Crisis of Infinite Earths? No, that's what why. What was the point of Crisis of Infinite Earths? And what are they or, trying to sell? They were trying to sell a reboot of the DC Universe, which that, is why it had They're trying to sell comics. They want to sell comic books. They need to accomplish two things with this story. One, 
is respect the past and be delicate with those people that have cared about these characters along the way and want to see their guys. They also need to set the table and bring in new things that are going to get readers excited. That's why you get Lady Wildcat. That's why Firebrand gets a new worst costume. That's why all these changes are put into effect. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you want to get people excited about that, but it's a delicate balancing act. Yep. That's what I like about what Wolfman and Perez did. The sheer chutzpah of it to say, we're going to take all this different stuff that DC has bought. We've got all these weird continuities that make no sense that exist without, you know, each other. And we're going to bring them all. We're going to slam them together. We're going to build a story. And not only are we going to make them all, interact with each other but at the end of it it will be one line going forward and for dc to basically say you know what yeah you can have the charleston yep you can have this yep you can have the 50 years that we've done with all this stuff and you can blow it up and go to one sure show us all right let's get to your second beef second beef? beef second beef and this is like a minor beef but i think it's important this particular crossover is known for a very large event among a lot of comic book fans, which is the death of Barry Allen. Everybody knows that Barry Allen dies in Crisis, yep. but nobody remembers that Supergirl died. Sure, she's on the. No, that, nobody that knows. No, that's a cares. great cover. The cover of Superman holding Supergirl. That's. But nobody yeah. remembers it. I mean, Barry Allen's death. It, it's actually handled very well because. They do a, a lot of foreshadowing early on, like he's f- traveling back through time and you know, all that. It's super iconic because he's, in terms of his heroic sacrifice to stop the anti-monitors canon. And his death actually mattered because for decades after, it allowed Wally West to grow and mature. And so there were real like things that came out of Barry Allen's death that really impacted the, the DC <clears throat> universe going forward. Supergirl dies and they just don't do anything. Like, they don't bring back another Supergirl. They don't yeah, bring well, back somebody to fill well, in that legacy. They kind of did. They, they sort of did. Yeah, yeah, but was that Wally West? Wally Let West would look terrible this. dressed like Supergirl. Nice. <laughs> 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 to say, I can answer this very succinct. Do you know how long it took them to bring Barry Allen back? Like 20 years, I think. Yeah, you had a, a solid two decades of Wally West stories. Do you know how long it took them to bring Supergirl back? John no. Burns reboot Superman 21. Not even two full years into the reboot, they had another Supergirl. Yeah, but it so, wasn't even a good Supergirl. They it doesn't Wally matter. Here's a, here's a spoiler alert. It was never a good Supergirl. <laughs> Supergirl was just one of those things like Batgirl and stuff in the 40s and 50s. Or th- Their idea was to get female readership. Let's make a girl version of the Super. I don't know if that worked. I, um, I get it. I get Supergirl is, in, in essence, a redundant character. But that doesn't mean that you go and you kill her off. Sure, like, I mean, just, yeah. No, I appreciated reading this book now with the power of hindsight. Because Flash's book was canceled. They had stopped Flash's book after the, the murder trial for the murder mm-hmm. of Iris Allen. Uh, so he was donezo. Supergirl, her movie had bombed. She was donezo. Yes. And so why are those two characters that bite it and get rebooted in the crisis of on Infinite Earths? Because DC had nothing to lose and everything to gain and, by rebooting those characters. And they, they took these two characters that had kind of fallen by the wayside and fallen out of favor, and they gave them big, dramatic exits. 
they gave them the ending that they probably deserved as characters as opposed to just your books canceled and your movie was shit. <laughs> you know? Right. So, so, but what so, I'm saying is, but everybody still remembers this as the, as the series where flash died. I, I guarantee if you ask most comic book fans, they don't even know that Supergirl dies in this. I think like, they do. Cause oh, the they remember so, that the cover's cover. iconic. Like, uh, yeah, the cover's iconic, you were, know, but I yeah, mean, yeah, I think, I think, cause I think what you're, you're attributing all the Wally West stuff that came after as the result of crisis therefore the flash death is more important because you got all that good wally west stories whereas the supergirl stories that came after maybe aren't as good yeah i just think it's just a matter of the character i mean i supergirl has her fans absolutely i just don't think she was ever really that interesting a character you know and and they but they were like let's do something big with her I won't lie. It's my favorite issue of the entire series. Well, because I love how that assault on the anti-monitors stone Citadel and they bring out all the big guns like two Superman and Captain Marvel and Captain Adam, Lady Quark. (laughs) Honestly, that's where the series should have ended. If I'm talking about it being too long, issue seven or whatever, that's that's a perfect capstone. Supergirl's death That's a good way to end it. Have her kill the anti-monitor and be done with it. Move on. Yeah, but then you don't get that awesome villains cover. Uh, that cover's pretty badass. Well, and, and and I guess that's my final beef. And this is my what final is the beef? beef. And it's the fact that I do like this. There are parts of Crisis on Infinite Earths I really do enjoy. But I feel like because it's too long, because of the way that it's kind of plotted and so forth, a lot of good moments get kind of lost in the shuffle. And here are some really good moments. For me, again, Death of Supergirl, I mentioned that issue. It's probably my favorite issue, even more than the Flash death. And I do like Psycho Pirate, that whole subplot with him. It is really chilling at times. Like, he is a really interesting character. And my favorite part of this entire story is actually the storyline with the Superman from Earth 2, Kal L, the big L. Like, his whole story, where, like, not only is he the Superman that has all the pathos of losing Krypton and everything like that at the end, he loses his universe and everybody he cares about, and yet he still survives. And he and everyone's like, "Oh, you got to deal with it." And he's like, "No, dude, I don't have to deal with this. Like, you don't understand what it's like to be me, like the original OG Superman that had to deal with all this crap. And now I lose all my universe. Well, well, Man of Steel Superman's still running around with all his pals. Like, I got to be the guy that put this on my shoulders." And so, like, at the end, when he gets his lowest back and he goes into his, like, little pocket universe, that's really heartwarming and, like, a really good conclusion to his arc in this story from the beginning to the end. He's, like, the real protagonist, at least in my mind. But, again, it gets lost in the shuffle. There's issues upon issues of people just staring at white voids and trying to punch them. And It's bloated, but it's a epic crossover thing. They're always bloated. Have you read The Lord of the Rings? Like... <laughs> For God's sake, it could have probably been six issues, but I think maybe they were giving a year for the for current books to kind of wrap up what they were doing because the whole thing was going to start over again. Because they had introduced Jason Todd in Batman with a similar parents were, I think, acrobats too, killed by Killer Croc yeah. and all this other stuff. And then they restarted him. So he, and now he was like the kid that tried to rip off the hubcaps of the Batmobile, which I think is genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, too, and I, I think one of the big trade-offs of these big events is, is you're saying, like, I can't believe this was rolled out into 12 issues. Honestly, this could have been 144 issues. 
if they would have taken time to give all of these characters like big moments, like the the Earth Two Robin, the one that finally wore pants, like he just kind of dissipates at the end. Like if they would have given all those characters their due, they could have stretched this out for ten years, and we'd be talking about you know all that story and that story. But they decided to put them all together. They did so much there though in this story. It was so epic. It was so grand. It, mm-hmm. It's such a delicate balance to carve out enough room. Like I said, you, you could have doubled or tripled or yeah. quadrupled the size of it and still had the same amount of story in there. My my problem just know. comes with the dialogue because the dialogue is so melodramatic and so like like I have a problem when comics don't um sound like the way people actually talk. You know, like when when like Savannah's like curses you, nobody says that. Mm. Nobody has ever actually said right. that, but Dr. Savannah says that. So the cheese ball factor is part of the whole faucet thing. Mikey so, Wood, what in the blazes are you talking? You you know not what you speak about, sir. That's right. Well it's like what that, that issue of Avengers where where Iron Man says he's gonna give Cap some straight dick. Like, uh, <laughs> he had the okay. nose on that one too, didn't he? Yeah, you don't want yeah. to mess with Iron Man with the nose. Yeah, I, nose Iron Man is like the darkest multiverse <laughs> Iron That's Man. That's the darkest timeline. <laughs> the darkest timeline. Uh, <laughs> is that all your beef? Uh, <laughs> it is. If I've got any more left, I've, I'll save it for our rating section right after these commercial breaks. Stay tuned. There's the beef. Hi everyone, this is Mark, the DM for Stranger Damies. What is Stranger Damies, you ask? Well, we're just a bunch of first-time D&D players exploring the world of Tal'Dorei 30 years after the events of the Coma Conclave, which was made famous on Critical Role. Join us every week as we roll some dice, make some mistakes, but most importantly, we have fun. New episodes air every Wednesday at strangerdamies.podbean.com or on your favorite podcast streaming app. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. And is it Wednesday yet? Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub Podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub Podcast hits harder than a Goku gut punch. <laughs> All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. The Last Comic Shop brought to you by the beef industry. <laughs> beef, it's what's for dinner. <laughs> All right. Oy, oy, oy. It is now time for our rating. That section of every single episode of The Last Comic Shop where we set a numerical value to somebody's uh, comic book that they spent a lot of time working on. And uh, again, maybe ate a lot of hamburgers, who knows. But uh, J.A., what is our rating scale for Crisis on Infinite Earths? Well, it only goes to serve if we have a Crisis on Infinite Earths. How many Earths are you going to give the Crisis? Can I destroy them? Can I be like the anti-monitor and In chop fact, them? You, you can go first. What do you give this book, oh, sir? Geez. Heard all your beef. I know. And, and despite all my beef, I, I'm not going to be able to give this less than a two. It is average. Again, if it had been six issues with not all this bloated gobbledygook, you know, villains have to run around. And why do they set up towers? Why is Pariah around? He's the worst character ever. He just whines. He just shows up. Harbinger, she's not. She's awful too. They just 
It, it kind of reminds me, like, again, I read Marv Wolfman on a Fantastic Four run up to issue 200 where he was introducing the Nova Corps and all this other stuff. And, and at that time, it was real wordy, too. And I was just like, oh, geez. This is like taking five issues to sp- explain something that should be just one. And I, I give a lot of credit to um, George Perez because the artwork is gorgeous. But he had to draw so much of it. Like, each page is like 16 panels. And it's just like he had to give Marv a chance to talk. And I'm sure he's a charming man, but, like, sometimes less is more. And I think that Crisis on Infinite Earths could have been more had it been less. Okay. Chad, what are you giving the book? Okay, well, I feel like I've spent a fair amount of this show defending this book. This 12-issue maxi-series event. And genuinely, I believe in my heart of hearts that Crisis is a top-notch, A-level effort from A-level creators to solve a problem that isn't actually a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my beef with Crisis on Infinite Earths, is that its goal, while as well-intentioned as it is, is a terrible goal. Because one of the fun parts about the DC universe was all the extra little side pockets. The Earth 2 JSA crossing over with the JLA. The Earth X with Uncle Sam and his freedom fighters. And they had potential for so many more pocket universes with the Charleston, with the Marvels and all the faucet things. And what do they do? They're like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're going to come up with this big old convoluted story to justify cramming everything in to one And then what it ultimately resulted was some really great stories. As Mikey alluded to earlier, coming out of this, you get John Byrne Superman, you get Batman Year One, but you also get the editorial staff didn't stick with their plan. And it's like some of Batman's history stayed and some of Batman's history was rewritten and they never officially like went back and clarified. And it was, it ended up being more confusing and causing more problems in the long run. And honestly, what this reminds me of, I, I go back to work. And I don't know if you have these people at work, but I do. They're the people that work really hard, right? Do you have those people at work? And you have a problem you need to solve, and these hard workers are like, I'll do it. And they come up with this solution that you can tell that they mean really well, and they're putting their best effort into it. But, oh, my God, is it such an inelegant solution. It's such a convoluted mess that it ends up making more work for everybody. And I think that's what happens with Crisis. Uh, It's epic in its scope. Uh, Its attention to detail cannot be beaten. George Perez on art and Marv Wolfman with all these characters and juggling all these things. You cannot undersell the work that they did because it is awesome, literally awesome. But at the same time, it's also kind of repetitive and it's silly, but it's silly in a way that lacks the humor that something like this would need. And it's, like I said, it's that employee that comes up with a plan to solve everything that just makes everything more difficult. And then at the end of the day, you're like, why did we bother to do this thing again? And then you end up with things like Zero Hour and Infinite Crisis and New 52 and all these things resulting with all these different continuity errors when, you know, you go across the street to Marvel and like, yeah, Frank Castle fought in uh, Vietnam. No, Frank Castle fought in Afghanistan. Ah, Frank Castle fought in some war. Who cares? Let's just move on. (laughs) They don't feel the need to dwell on the problem. Whereas like Marv Wolfman and George Prez, they're digging in to solve this problem that doesn't need to be solved. And you do all this hard work 
But without the joy of the accomplishment at the end of all that hard work, you'd be like, oh, we made something really great. No, you just made something you're going to have to fix again in another five years. And so for Crisis, I'm going to say 2.75 out of four, four Earths. So if Last Comic Shop fans have learned anything on this day's program, Chad just likes to argue with me. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care what point of view I have. It, it could be the same point of view. Just say it. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey, I, what was your... We'll save J.A. for last. Um, Mike. I mean, personally, I think continuity ruins everything. <clears throat> I always thought that it would be cool if every creative team started over from the beginning. Like, every time a new creative team comes into Batman, starts over. You know, and you can add twists and turns and, and whatever you want to add to it. So... I agree with Chad in, in, in the fact that it was fixing something that, that wasn't necessarily broken. But when you have 50-something years of, of books and some people who've probably read them for 50-something years, you might have to kind of do that sort of thing. I'm going to give it a little higher. I'm going to give it like three and a half. Like the last Earth is kind of fizzing out. I liked how big it was. My memory of it is probably different from you guys because of how I read it. I did buy the trade and read it in one big chunk, and it is a slog. It is like, oh my god, this is taking forever. But monthly was fun, so that that's my thing on it. I don't, you know, and Marvel never really cared about continuity, but it seems like they don't have as long a history, and they didn't have silly golden age kind of stuff like the imaginary stories that nobody realized were imaginary and all this other. You know, if Marvel did that, they had their own book. It was called What If. Here's your imaginary stories. You could read it all here. Now, I think Marvel cared about continuity. They just kept on moving, shifting the time. All the ha- events happened, but they just happened later, some yeah. other time. Yeah, they, care. Just, they just didn't care that much. As a an amalgam of things, like when you're reading Batman and you're like, this is the same universe at the same time that this Green Arrow book is happening, or when, when everything mixes together into your mind as one big universe, you run into those problems. And that's why I guess when I read comics, I kind of read everything capsulated. I don't necessarily imagine that they're all in the same world. That's how like Wolverine can be in four different X-Men books in one month. And you're like, wait, how is he here when he was in Madripoor in this one or when he was in, you know, Marvel doesn't care. They don't care how or why. And that's that's a benefit to them. And that's good. That works for them. Some people care. Some people are like, okay, wait, how can he be doing this if he's doing this over in this book? And when does this take place as opposed to this one? How much do we integrate them? How much do they work off of each other? Um, I went off. Sorry. (laughs) Three and a half. That is okay. All right, J.A., it was your book. What are you rating it? So I think you can't just look at this book as a normal crossover event because it's a lot more than that. And you can't just look at it as a DC Universe reboot because it's also a lot more than just that. It's a lot bigger than the sum of its parts. And I think if you just break it down and you look at the sum of its parts as Chad and Andy, as you guys have pretty much done, I think you lose some of the importance of it. Because it's not just Secret Wars, which, as we said, was meant to sell toys. It's more than that. It's bringing all these different things together and trying to make them work in a universe and setting the table for years to come within a publishing industry, within, you know, a a whole company basically saying this is the path we're going to do. So 
I don't think you can just look at it as a well. It's a good story, and it kind of sets this up, yes, and it brings you know it brings the Charleston stuff in, and it's kind of good. I think you have to look at it overview as all of those bits, and the art is beautiful. Yeah, the writing gets a little bit long. I think the point that Mikey made about it coming out every month over twelve months. If you're reading it once a month, I think it works better than if you're reading it. As a trade, where it gets a bit sloggy, as as we all mentioned, even I, who recommended it because I hadn't read it, thought at times it got stretched a bit. And okay, there's a bit of padding here, and who cares about this? But taking it as an event, you put it up there with the death of Superman as you know one of the most important things that happened in DC universe, and oh, Superman came back. You know, continuity. Who cares? It's comic books. They're meant to be. I mean, I think continuity is overrated i hate people who nitpick movies how could this happen because four movies before that that happened like just enjoy the move you know enjoy the moment some people aren't going to be interested in that to jump in while you're thinking this wasn't just big for dc this was huge for comic books yeah the whole industry was affected by this thing yeah and so i think you need to judge it on those terms you can't just judge it as the tiny little narrow blinded view of, okay, this is a good comic story or a bad comic story. I think this is one of those things that you have to judge on its impact on culture, its impact on the industry, its impact on DC. The fact that, you know, Flash is killed, Supergirl is killed, old Superman, Ka L with the big L and, and original Superboy get put into a pocket universe and they start to explore that thing that they just had destroyed. They just spent 12 issues destroying. They kind of kept a little bit. It was like, they was like, well, we still got the, we got the ace up our sleeve, if you will. <laughs> right. I'm going to give it three and a half for its impact. I would say the story in, if you're reading it today in a trade, gets a little bit long and, and padded and it's like a two, two and a half to three, but just for the importance of it, you know, how many times do you hear anyone talking about DC comics? Is that post crisis? It's such an important signpost in DC and I'm glad I read it. And I think that I would encourage anyone who hasn't read it, read it because it's such an important event. There you go. And hopefully some other important comic books that you might check out at your local comic book shop are our recommendations. Yes, it's time for that part of our show where we give you other comic books in addition to Crisis on Infinite Earths that you can pick up and check out for yourself. Yes, that's right. We like to recommend something current, something related to what we just read, uh, something a bit out of left field. And uh, because Mikey Wood's on the show, we get to get something from him, and it might be something that's new, related, and out of left field. We never know. So why don't we kick off with Mikey? What are you going to recommend this week? Well, I'm actually going to talk about another crossover of characters of a Marvel Universe book. And uh, it's not um, Icon. It's not Ultraverse. It's not Razor Line. It's... It's the one nobody remembers. It's the it's the Shadowline saga from Epic. And I think I mentioned this before. Basically Highlander, but if they had superpowers. And there were three books. 
St. George Powerline and uh, Dr. Zero. And they're really, really good, but they didn't do very well. Um, so at the end of it, they took sort of the last few issues and they combined it all into this miniseries called Critical Mass. And Critical Mass sort of wraps up all of the storylines. And I wish more people I've been on. You guys know from reading my Facebook and stuff, I've been on this kick about books that I like that nobody seems to have read. Shadowline and, and Critical Mass is one of them. And we're talking like creators like. Well, Archie Goodwin created all of the, the lead characters, but like Dennis Cowan did some of the artwork and, and Bill Sienkiewicz covers. Uh, it was like just super good. And you can find them in 50 cent boxes, probably, if they still have them. Is there still a thing? I've never heard of the series before, uh, Mikey. So like, how did they cross over? Like you said something about superhero Highlander. Do they all kill each other? Or Basically, yeah, they're kind of, at, they're sort of at war with, war with each other. There is, um, it's the shadow dwellers and they're a race of people who evolved faster than normal humans, but there's fewer of them. And at one point, uh, the character Dr. Zero gets kind of sick of hiding in the shadows and they all start to sort of come forward and he becomes a superhero, but he's actually a villain. They, they start to battle each other and for supremacy and, oh, you that's know, kind of cool. It's super cool. It's, and there's only like, there's three series. Each of them ran for eight issues and then there's six issues of critical mass or something like that. And there's a character that spun out of this. I don't know if you've, if you read Marvel's book, terror incorporated. Uh, ah. I can picture him with all the spikes coming out of his head. Yeah, yeah. He was like a lizardy kind of kind of guy. Yeah, he started out in Shadowline and, and nobody asked any any questions about it because who cares about continuity? He's just there now. All right. Well, let's go back to JA for his pick this week. I think it's it's somewhat similar, right? Yeah. Well, it's a similar kind of related, maybe a little bit out of left field too, but um going to another one of DC's sort of signpost events and I mentioned it earlier, was the death of Superman. And that whole arc has been really condensed into three trade paperbacks. You get the death of Superman trade paperback, which is really just a giant long fight. From page one to, to the end, it's just a fight. I mean, let's be honest. And then you get the return of Superman, which is the big one. And that's covering, you know, you get the new Superboy and you get the robot Superman and you get Steel and Eradicator, which Elvis Presley Superman. So in between those two is the my recommendation. And that was Superman Funeral for a Friend. And this is the grieving part because Superman dies at the end of the death of Superman. You get. Ma and Pa Kent grieving for the death of their son. You get Supergirl and Guardian and, you know, and Gangbuster trying to kind of fill the void because Superman is missing. Uh, you get people arguing over, you know, what is Superman's legacy and, and just how the whole universe has to deal with the demise of, you know, one of the pillars of of the universe it's really well done it, it really you don't see so much new so nuance all that often in a comic and i was glad that instead of just banishing it to a couple pages they took time to focus on different aspects of you know the death of superman before they rushed into all these sort of new superman clones coming up yeah and it is the one part of the kind of quote-unquote death of superman trilogy that people kind of gloss over and, and to your point it is good that they took some time to kind of again let us grieve and let us have some time 
to kind of reflect on what Superman meant to us. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously you get stuff with Lois and even Lex Luthor is like, oh, I kind of missed the guy. Not really, but I kind of missed the guy. <laughs> oh, interesting bit of trivia on that one. They had to change the covers for the trading card sets because DC did not have the rights to put Batman on their trading cards. It was a separate deal. Mm. So, uh, they were replaced Batman and the Batman characters with like people like Booster Gold or they released Why? Them. Because Warner Brothers had the rights to that or something for the well, Batman Well, Warner Brothers movies? owns everything, but they had licensed the Batman out to a different trading card company or different. Right. Uh, okay. So they were like getting like. Uh, Tops to do one trading card set and somebody to do somebody else's trading card set. Yeah, Don Rex. <laughs> All right. Well, my uh, recommendation kind of is, is very similar to J.A.'s in that it's another DC book that kind of came out when I was a kid. There's probably better collections out there nowadays, but for my money, when I was growing up, there were some really great DC collections that were released. They, they came under this best Batman stories ever told or best Joker stories ever told. And the one I'm talking about today is one called greatest team up stories ever told. And you can still find it. uh, If you look either in paperback or in hardback, like I have it, but it's a wonderful collection featuring some really great stories from some of the Titans of DC comics. Just some of the ones that I think are really important and related to today's book, you get the uh, uh, Flash of Two Worlds story in this, again, where Jay Garrick and Barry Allen first meet and really set up the quote-unquote multiverse of DC. In addition to that, as uh, Chad mentioned earlier in the show, you get the first crossover from Justice League of America. I think it's 21, where the Justice League and the JSA from Earth 2 meet and battle villains together. But in addition to that, you also have some other really just great team-ups. You Green Lantern, Green Arrow from that famous Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams run. Uh, but you also get a really great story with The Flash and the Atom with Alex Toth art. You get some great issues from uh, that Swamp Thing series that we covered earlier by Alan Moore on this program. Uh, You get this great issue with him and Superman called The Jungle Line, where basically Superman has a nervous breakdown and has to go into the green (laughs) in order to, to, I don't know, uh, feel better about himself or something. But I I, I don't know. Batman and Creeper, uh, Adam Strange and Hawkman together. We just talked about an Adam Strange book. Uh, with Strange uh, Adventures just a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, if you can find it, it's really good for DC fans of all ages. It's called, again, Greatest Team-Up Stories Ever Told. You get Superman and Batman and and Robin being the three musketeers in one of that. That's super cute. Come on. Okay, I think I'm the only one left to go, right? And so my book is going to be the current one. We've been talking about all these crossovers. And so I thought I'd go with the low-hanging fruit, and my recommendation will be Crossover (laughs) by Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw, or D. Kniff, John J. Hill, uh, Chip Zdarsky, Phil Hester, and Andre Parks did an issue. But the basic premise of this is, a few years back, in Denver, all of a sudden, there was a a huge like crossover comic book style event and these fictional characters crossed over into the real world and so did all their damage and now like today most of society like hates these comic book creations because of it 
But then in the series, it picks up five years after the fact. And what happens is a lot of your favorite comic creators start turning up dead. And I, uh, I won't spoil too much, but like real life people that you know, people that we've covered on the show, like Brian K. Vaughn, uh, Robert Kirkman, uh, Chip Zdarsky make appearances. But it also features, in addition to these comic book characters, some of their comic book creations. And so you'll see characters like Madman pop up. You'll see Brian Bendis's Powers characters. They even make references to characters from the big two and a bunch of different image books. And it's all these characters mashed together in this story, which is basically pitting real life against fictional characters. And whenever they have the fictional characters, they draw them with that dot matrix style coloring. So you can see like, oh, this little girl, you know, oh, she's fictional. Like she comes out of the comic shop and like, oh, no, look, you can see all the dots. Ah. And then the rest of the people are afraid of her. It's really interesting. It's a cool concept. And uh, you have fourth wall. Oh, absolutely. Very fourth wall. If you were into comic books and like pay attention to the names of the people that are writing your books this is for you it's lots of fun and there's just so much there to unpack it's good stuff and what also is good stuff is the last comic shop and we hope that you come back for this good stuff every single week again we're going to have some more dc comic books coming up next week as we close out our month-long DC uh, excursion. So make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. That's our terrific website where you can find links to all of those wonderful podcasting platforms where you can find our show, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or Pandora or YouTube. We're huge on YouTube now. Check us out there as well as uh, Amazon Podcasts and a variety of other places. And if you like what we are putting out every single week, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. That's right. We live on one Earth, not multiple Earths. And we will hope that everybody on this Earth becomes a fan of our show. And we hope that you leave us nice little comments showing how, how much comic books mean to you and how much our show has helped you Find those comic books that have given you uh, hours of quality reading. Right? Yes. And the, right. the more of those five stars we get, the more people can find the show and the more we can grow this wonderful last comic shop that we have going on here. That too. It is not just for my ego, sir. It's mainly for that thing. But also, you know, to help grow the show and stuff. And you know what else helps to grow the show is interacting with you, the people, on the social medias. So you can find us places like Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop or on Facebook at Last Comic Shop Podcast. And like I said, everything goes back to that home base at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where they can find what else, J.A.? Well, they can find links to our merch store where we might not have infinite color choices, but there are a lot of color choices. Go with the Heather. (laughs) T-shirts and hoodies. And mugs, wall art, all your last comic shop needs. And you never know, we always are putting out special editions for Christmas, Halloween. Maybe we'll clearance out the old stuff. We should do that. Put them up for a week. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I, I do know that Mikey Wood, he's been thinking about making a special design just for our, uh, our, yeah. our T-shirts. So, yeah, like... Sure. 
that might be coming out in the next couple of months. So make sure that you're checking out our merch store for all of our latest designs, for sure. And after you're done checking out all that awesome merch, you might have money left to spend in your local comic shop. Because while we might be the last comic shop podcast, we don't actually be the last comic shop. So head to www.comicshoplocator.com and find a shop near you where you might be able to find cool things like the greatest DC team-ups ever told or Superman funeral for a friend or crossover or shadow line critical mass or you could also find a crisis. There are many crises. Today we talked about the crisis on infinite earths. Pick your crisis. Who cares? Have fun with it. One thing that you can't find at comic book shops, but we wish you could, is the wonderful work of Mikey Wood. But you can find mm. his comic books mm. online. So, Mikey, yeah. go ahead and plug. Yeah, if you want to buy a hard copy one, you know it's made out of paper. Those are kind of cool. Uh, you can go to Amazon.com and look up Mikey Wood um, for uh, Hate Your Friends Volume 1 and uh, Pack of Lies. Or you can also read uh, Hate Your Friends and... Uh, El Phantasma on graphite.com, which is a fun little online, which, and they have tons of other stuff that you can read too. Yeah. And until next week, I was the host with the most Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and the uh, tremendous Mikey Wood. Mm. And until next week, stay safe, stay sheltered, and remember beef. It's what's for dinner, not for what's in your comic book podcast. Unless you're not into that, there's plenty of very yummy substitutes. Uh, black bean burgers, for instance, yummy. It's or, 2022. Make sure you turn over a new leaf. A beef leaf? <laughs> <laughs>